if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both hate, seen and hated both me and my father. And this cometh to pass, the word that might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Shall, the time will come when they'll put you out of the churches. The time cometh when whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do because they have not known the Father nor me. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to Thank you for joining us here on the Unchanging Word Bible Study, and we are in the Gospel of John. Our study is in chapter 15, verses 18 through chapter 16, verse 4 today. Jesus, having spoken to his disciples to love one another, he now turns to instruct them about the world and its opposition to him and his disciples. Thirty-one times the Lord uses the word world in this context. And Dr. Mitchell gives us the biblical meaning for the word world, which in this context is a religious system opposed to our sinless Lord, Jesus Christ, and God, his Father. Although they have no basis or cause or any valid reason for hating the Lord Jesus and God, his Father, and his disciples, they still do. And such is the unreasonableness of persistence of unbelief and sin. Well, open your Bible with us to John chapter 15, verse 15, as we study along with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. Good day, friends. It is our joy and delight again to come to you. And we're studying together uh, the, the gospel through John. And we are in the upper room discourse where our Lord is dealing with his disciples between the last few hours before he went to the cross. And in chapter 15, we were dealing with this question of fruit-bearing, that the Lord expects us to bear fruit. And he could say, Him is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. And following that, in the first few verses we have, love keeps the commandments of God, and love provides intimate fellowship with God. You find this in these verses 8 down through 17. Your memory's been talking about, if I may say, the last lesson we had, 
in verses in verses 15 to 17, what I call my C3s, he called us to be his friends. He chose us to bear fruit. And he commands us to love one another. And these are not interchanged. The marvelous thing is that God has opened the door for you and me to live a life of intimate fellowship with the living God himself. He's called us his friends. And being his friends, he manifests confidence, intimacy, to think that you and I, who love the Savior, have been brought not only into a oneness of life with Christ, union with him, partakers of his life, partakers of his love, partakers of his grace and his peace, but to be the place of fellowship. This is why God redeemed us, that he should be glorified and we should be glorified together with him and the expression of that intimate fellowship. And then he chose us to bear fruit, fruit that should remain. He elected us. We didn't choose to bear fruit. He chose us to bear fruit that should remain. And he gives us his supply. And whatever you ask the Father in his name, he would give it to us. Then he commands us to love one another. This is not optional. This is not optional. He commands us to love one another. Even the ordinary ones, yes. All kinds of believers, yes. The weak and the strong, the mature and the immature, the babe in Christ and the strong believer, irrespective of what you are, if you love the Savior, if you're trusting the Savior, we are to love you. You're to love us. Now, following that, in verses 18, running right through chapter 16, verse 4, we have the opposition to fruit-bearing. And we find that this opposition comes from the world. And the world would seek to oppose anything in the Christian's life that would bring forth fruit or that would manifest, to do anything to hinder the manifestation of that fruit of the Spirit of God in your life and my life. Now, he's just been dealing with our relationship one to the other. We are to love each other. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. This is the manifestation of our relationship to God is evident by loving the brethren. The more I love God, the more I love his people. And if I don't love his people, then how can I say I love God? We've been joined together into a family relationship, oneness in life and so on. And he exhorts us. In fact, there can be no fruit-bearing unless we're walking in fellowship with him, manifested in our love for the brethren, all kinds of brethren. And that's some ordinary ones. No question about them being ordinary ones. Some unlovely ones. But maybe they're that way because other Christians don't manifest love to them. It's an amazing thing how in you love somebody who's possibly has a personality that, that uh, doesn't coincide with you, or somebody who's failing God, somebody who's carnal, uh, it's so easy to pull to one side and say, well, I love them, but I don't, I like them. I, I love them, but I don't like them. And let's not play with words. If you really love them, you may not like some of the things they do, but if you really love them, you'll manifest that love one way or another. But the moment I don't, that's one aspect of truth. The believer 
in loving his brethren. Now, on the other side, we have opposition. And this opposition is from the world. And from verse 18, running through into the next chapter, we find what this opposition is. See, In contrast to the believer, you've got the world. The world. And by the way, uh, this is very much upon the heart of our Savior to warn his disciples because the world is subtle. Now, I may remind you we have three implacable enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But in this passage, he's dealing with the world. In fact, uh, chapters 15, 16, and 17, he mentions the world 31 times in these three chapters. See, it's on his heart. The world is an enemy of the gospel of the grace of God. The world has no place for Christ. And if it has no place for Christ, it has no place for you. Now, in verses 18 through 25, we have the world in its hatred for Christ. Let me read you these few verses. John 15, starting at verse 18. <clears throat> if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Now, here's a general statement between our Savior and his people, contrast to the world. The world is on one side, the believer and the Savior is on the other side. Remember the word, verse 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both hate, seen and hated both me and my father. And this cometh to pass, the word that might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. Now, let me just, first of all, suggest this. First of all, the hatred of the world for Christ. You see, first of all, what is the world? Now, he's not talking about the earth upon which we live, this globe upon which you live. The world in the Bible is a system. It's a religious system that's opposed to God and his people. Um, it's not... It's not He's not talking about taverns or theaters or dancing and all these so-called worldly things. He's not talking about that. He's going right down to the heart of it. The world is a religious system that is opposed to God, is antagonistic to God. It's controlled by Satan and his cohorts. It's a moral, religious, yet dark kingdom. And the key is they know not God. You take, for example, in verse 21. Why do they do these things to the Savior? Because they know not him that sent me. Chapter 16. Chapter 16. The time will come 
uh, when the, he that killeth you will think he doeth God's service. And these things will they do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Now you remember what this is. It's a, it's a religious system. These people kill the people of God in the name of God. They think they're doing God's service. For example, when the leaders of Israel crucified the Savior, they thought they were doing it in their zeal for God. They claimed that Jesus Christ was a blasphemer, that he had a right to die. They believed they were obeying the law of Moses, which said, if one comes among you, and he tries to draw your heart away from Jehovah, and he performs miracles and so on, take him out and kill him. But you see, like so many people, they do not know the religious world to which they belong. Even today, there are a great many people who are religious. I'm not questioning that they're religious. What I am questioning is, do they know God? Are they acquainted with God? Are they related to God? Are they ignorant of God? So I want this thing very clear in your mind that when you and I accepted the Savior, we were delivered, we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness where sin reigns, where Satan reigns, where the world reigns. And we were translated into the kingdom of of God's dear Son. Born in Colossians 1.13. See. You see, in chapter 12 and chapter 14, and again in chapter 16, remember that the devil, the adversary, is called the God of this world, the, the prince of this world. Paul called him in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the fourth verse, he's the God of this age, the God of this world, Satan. But why are they opposed to Jesus Christ? Have they got any excuse for it? No. The ground for it is they know not God. Verse 21, they do these things because they know not him that sent me. And I want to tell you, my friend, the hostility is a bitter, bitter hostility. There's bitter, bitter hatred. For example, 24 and 25. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. What did Jesus Christ do? Why did they hate him? Because he tore the mask off. Especially these who were Pharisees and scribes and priests, leaders of Israel. They made a great show of being religious. They boasted about being God's people. And Jesus came along and tore the mask off. That's why he says, they not, if I hadn't come and told them, they had not had sin. That doesn't mean they weren't sinners or that they hadn't sinned. But what he did, he was showing up that which they thought was religious, holy, and so on. He just tore the mask off and showed the reality of their lives. They were full of hatred for him, a bitter hatred for him. Remember, they had seen him. They had heard his gracious words. And the officers who came to take him in chapter 7 of John, you remember, they said, never man spake like this man. They saw his miracles. They saw the evidence of his person. 
They saw the evidence of the things he did. They accused him of performing his miracles by the power of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. In chapter 8 of John, they said he was demon-possessed. Shall a kingdom destroy its own kingdom? If I cast out demons by the finger of God, by whom do your sons cast them out? I'm quoting Matthew 12. You see, they declared that his power, his miracles, was from hell. They had no question about what he did was supernatural. Is it from God or is it from hell? And because of their ignorance of God, they declared that Jesus Christ was from hell. And Jesus just tore the mask off. He showed up just what they were with their hatred. That's why it says further down in verse 25, they hated me without a cause. He offered them love. He offered them life eternal. He offered them forgiveness. He offered them a pardon. He offered them peace. They offered him hate, envy, murder, jealousy, so on. Even Pilate, even Pilate, you remember, said, even Pilate perceived that for envy they had delivered him up. It was so obvious, their hatred for the Son of God. But why were they that way? Because they knew not God. And when Jesus Christ revealed his Father, both by his words and by his works, it revealed exactly what they were. It just tore the mask off, showed them what they were, and that made them mad. Instead of them coming to the Lord for forgiveness, like the Pharisees, like the publicans and sinners did. You remember they accused him of being the friend of publicans and sinners. There was no need to tear the mask off them. They knew they were sinners. This woman of Samaria in chapter 4, didn't have to tell her she was a sinner. She knew she was a sinner. But these religious leaders, with all their boasted holiness and uh, their religion and the, the traditions which they held, and they said they were Moses' servants, that they were obeying Moses and so on. Abraham's our father. Jesus just tore the mask off and he revealed their hatred. That's what he means when he says, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me, hateth my father also. They hated me without a cause. There was no reason why they should hate him. By the way, may I inject in here, the same word is used in Romans 3.24. you remember what Paul wrote in Romans 3.24? Being justified, being declared righteous freely by his grace. Same word, freely. The word freely, Dorian, is the same word used here. Uh, they hated me without a cause. There was no reason why they should hate Christ. And there's no reason why God should redeem you and me from sin. The reason is in himself. What is the reason? He loved you. He loved me. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord Jesus came down to this earth because of the Father's love for you and me? He put away the barrier between us and God. And without a cause, as I said, the only cause was in himself. Again, let me repeat that verse from Romans 5, 8. God commendeth his love toward us 
in that while we were still active in our sins, Christ died for us. Oh, what a Savior. What a Savior. It's hard for one to realize that people will hate the Savior. I tell you, my friend, that's true today. Here in America, here in America, there are those who are religious leaders, just absolutely hate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and hate the people of God. And I'm not fooling about that. I could give you instance after instance in my own experience of the hate of men who are supposed to be leaders against the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As one man told me, one preacher told me, Mitchell, if I had my way, I'd pass a law to take all you fellows who believe in the grace of God, saved by the blood of Christ, to liquidate you. You're a hindrance to civilization. I tell you, my friend, when men turn their back on God, there's nothing left but judgment. As it is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. Now, I'm going to leave verse 26 and 27 to the next chapter, if you don't mind, dealing with the Spirit of God. Let me follow through with the argument here on the opposition to fruit-bearing. First of all, verses 18 down through 25 concerning our Savior. Now, in verses 18 and 19 and 20 of 15, and compare that with the first three or four verses of chapter 16, he not only hated Christ, but they hate the people of God. Let me read it. If you were the world hate you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. Because you are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. If they've persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they keep my saying, they'll keep yours also. Chapter 16. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Shall, the time will come when they'll put you out of the churches. The time cometh when whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do because they have not known the Father nor me. Let me just stop there. Our Lord here is prophesying persecution against God's people and the reason for it. And you can't expect anything better treatment from the world than he did. We are strangers, and the world treats us as strangers. Believers ought not to be surprised if the world hates them. And the more the world hates us, the more we are to love one another. And then he goes on to say, uh, most of this hatred will come from religious leaders. Remember, the world loves his own. We are not of the world. Galatians 1.4 says, He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Will you remember that? This present evil world. We are not of the world. In John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, the first verse, Behold, you remember, uh, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, and we are. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. The world never knew the Savior. The world never knows you nor me. I tell you, my friend, today, let me make it very, very clear to you. The moment you take a stand for the Savior, you're going to have opposition. 
Now, why do they oppose us? Verse 3, They'll do these things to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Their ignorance of God. Listen to me now. Their ignorance of God is the ground why they persecuted Christ and why they will persecute the people of Christ in any age. And because Jesus has chosen you out of the world, once we belong to the world, now we belong to Christ. And by the way, do not let the world hate us because we sin, but rather because of him. Now, having said that, let me close with this statement. The attitude of the world to us is one of hate. The, our attitude to the world ought to be one of love and witness. Can I repeat that? The world's attitude to us is one of hate. Our attitude to the world should be one of love and a witness to the world of a wonderful Savior. Now the Lord bless you today in the study of the Word of God. Don't be almost, put him foremost, for he loves you, my friend. He died and rose that remind me. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.